Hello, everyone. Welcome to the God Plane, Episode 10, Penance, Promise, and Purgation. This is the final episode of the God Plane, and we thank you all for joining us. When we last saw this party, they had reunited with each other and with Vassal, the champion of the Dreaming God, and together you all fought and seemingly defeated the Nightmare. But not before that nightmare made an offer, a temptation, to most of you. The battle was long and brutal. Vassal fought to keep the nightmare bound to herself, forcing it to stay in the fight. And even the elusive Mistcat showed itself, lending aid and healing when it was most needed. Just as the fight ended, the ground beneath your feet gave way, and seeing Neither Vassal nor the elusive Mistcat, you all fell, and fell, and fell. And we're not doing a cold open today, we're going to jump right into the intros. So welcome to the God Plane, an original 5e horror campaign. I'm your DM, Kay Purcell, DM Dampy for the night. And before we proceed, we're going to give you some content warnings. This is a horror campaign, it does contain elements which some viewers might find disturbing. Uh, I've worked with our incredible cast, I know their lines, I know their veils, I know when we need to quickly nope out of a situation, uh, but I don't know your limits, so please take care of yourself and take breaks if you need to. With that, let's meet the cast! Please introduce yourselves, tell us your pronouns, and where we can find you. Sophie. Hello, it's me, Sophie. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am playing the big sentient beef stew boy, Ozem. His pronouns are he, him. He's a big old seven foot five tiefling barbarian. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Subatomic Mints. And let's see if the people who put money on me crying this episode win. <laughs> we don't do stuff like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Cassandra. Let me set my 20 aside. Hi, uh, Cozy. You can find me under Cozy on all social media. I'm playing part of this team, uh, Wilhelmina Waywalket, Willie for short, if you're nasty. And um, we're going to see what happens. And well, you can find you at Cozy Spoon, not just Cozy. Yeah, the DM is right. The spoon's important. Always got a spoon. D'Angelo. Hey everyone, my name is D'Angelo Murillo, and you can find me on all social medias at that underscore D'Angelo. Tonight I'm playing Rook uh, for the final time. Uh, my my orc paladin, super dope, Oath of the Ancients, unicorn boy, is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. And Jen. Hi, I'm Jen. I've been playing Navi this whole campaign. She's a way of the Mercy Monk who has grown to learn a little bit of emotions there's a little bit of emotions coming out of her now she's 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 had a little bit of a journey so yeah you can find me at jen geeky on twitter or jen the geeky writer on instagram and we should give a special thank you to jen for being here tonight because she quits video games before she finishes them so uh you know <laughs> we'd also like to give a shout out and a special thank you to gaming trend to bardley io for the music and to ghost stories incorporated for the music that you're hearing right now our little theme song uh we'd also like to thank you to our mods kato dane david and emily couldn't do it without you uh we have a tip link for these amazing people one last time it's like a hug but with money uh, if you're able to tip, we super appreciate. All the money goes directly to the four people you see to either side of me on this. 
And um, thank you to everyone who has supported and tipped across the way. Thank you to just everyone who's hung out in chat and encouraged us. This has been a great adventure and it's been so much more fun because you were all here with us. Uh, as I said before, I'm your DM Damphy, K Purcell. My pronouns are she, her, and the best place to find me is at kdamphier on Twitter. Um, shout out to my co-DM, David Lee, a.k.a. Full Rubber Ducky, who you can find in chat and on Twitter. Um, and we're going to wrap this up, and uh, I have a one-shot that we'll talk about at the end. But for right now, let's jump back into the mist. You continue to plummet, mist streaking past your face. But as you fall endlessly, you start to realize that no, that you're not just growing numb to the motion. You're moving more slowly. You start to drift and then float. And you almost stand on a thick layer of mist, but hover ever so slightly above it. And you look at each other, battered, bloodied, injured, but victorious. And as your feet come nearly to rest on nothing, or at least what feels like nothing, you realize that mist is all around you, not just under your feet, above your heads. It lays in a thick blanket between you all and yet you can see right through it. And you only really recognize that it's a thick blanketing mist where it swirls at the corners of your vision. You all hover here alone in a heavy silence. Is there anything you'd like to do or say to each other as you seemingly wait? High five! As he goes over to each and everyone and then like does Are we able one? to walk, or is it just sort of like a free-floating sort of deal? You can move. Uh, you're kind of floating. It's You kind of step, and you kind of swim. It's not something you're used to, Willie, but... Okay, so Willie is definitely going to, uh, you know, that, that froggy stroke with the legs towards Rook. Just like, I'm sorry! I'm sorry, are you okay? Don't even worry about it. I only died like almost three times, but it's it's all good, you know, because we we did it, right? I, we we I, won. I don't know. Willie looks around. I is this winning? I I don't know. Ozum is very quiet and is kind of crumpled in on himself a little bit. Uh, he's not like full fetal position, but he's getting there. How are your uh? As he points to the rings, he's like, are they okay? I saw them get red hot probably wasn't comfortable he doesn't say anything i wish i could heal you but i'm all tapped out unfortunately billy turns to nabby who has been quiet up until now nabs you you good um nabby it's just been like taking it all in and kind of everything with like Tazik and all the the still kind of muttering through the choice that choice that was presented to her and kind of like like hears Lily's voice and kind of pulls her out. It's like what? What? We're we're alive, right? So 
Maybe I, touches herself, I think. Y- yeah, that, I'm kind of confused on that. As I'll look, Rook will look over to uh, Vassal. Is she there? You see neither Vassal nor the Mistcat, who were fighting alongside you. Welp. What do you think happened to them? It's hard to say. I mean, like, I don't even know anything about this place. Like, look, we're just floating around here. Uh, should we move forward more or like wait? I don't even. Lily just waves to... her hands and goes, "Well, hold on, hold on. We can ask. We can. We got the deal with the cat, right?" She looks to Nabby. I don't know how many of you guys said yes. I forgot the whole, you know, oh, life I flashing before my eyes. Yes, we can we can ask the mist. What's up, right? Ozim yeah. has uh, he quietly is like cutting his palm open with the knife. Look, Rook will look over to to Ozim and like let let him do his thing with the knife, but like be like, man, I'm gonna be so pissed if we die because we didn't accept that that deal with the cat. Unless he like well, well some of more. us did. Some of us did. Let me, let me see. And she like T poses. Let me see if I can speak to the mist. Maybe we can get some answers. Holy spirit, activate. See, like... It seems to like her method more, so go for it. So, Ozum, you do see dark blood welling up in your palm. And Willie, you strike a T pose and focus. Give me a perception roll. Oh boy. Let's see if I'm as lucky this week as I was last week. I really hope you are. 14, 15, 15. You're really focused on the mist. So you actually notice a little bit after everyone else that you're not alone suddenly. One moment it was normal and the next moment you all feel a pressure on you. And you turn, and two figures stand a short way off. They move towards you without walking. One is a child. They wear a long white garment, almost like a silk nightdress. Brown curls frame their face. Their eyes are large and pale misty blue. To their right, and a few deferential steps behind them, stands Vassal though she is changed. The multitude of tattoos across her body have turned to a shimmering, misty blue white and have been joined by gently swirling, flowing lines of curling clouds and wind. Her left eye, formerly ruined and blackened, now shines with a shimmering white-blue light. Above her head hovers a delicate, faintly glowing, misty halo and behind her back are a pair of gossamer, misty wings that almost seem to glimmer in and out of existence. Vassal looks each of you over and a smile slowly breaks across her face. She looks changed in more than just the wings and the halo and the tattoos. She looks younger and relieved and happy. Her voice is warmer and softer, but it also fills every ounce of you. You feel it wash over you and vibrate through you as she speaks. 
the voice of the dreaming god. Thank you, heroes. You have saved the worlds I so dearly love. You did what none could do before you. She lowers her eyes to the child at her side. And this child holds out their hands. Four small motes of glowing mist appear above their palms. The child's lips do not move, but you still hear a soft, high, breathy sound brush across you. Thank you. Without any kind of gesture, the motes float forward, one towards each of you. They hover momentarily before you and then rush into your chests. You suck in a breath as warmth washes over you and you are suddenly filled with the divine. The entirety of the dreaming worlds are now yours to explore, Basal says as she sweeps her arm behind her. The mist parts and you can see something that's a familiar vision to you, Rook. The vastness of space opens before all of you. But it's an exaggerated and wonderful version, full of motion and color. Somehow, innately, you all know not just the name of each of these worlds, but you know that you can, with no more than a thought, appear and bring yourself to any of them. You all can't help but look at each other with a moment of wonder. And you find your companions changed. You have each become more as the divine powers of the dreaming god have begun to manifest in you, heightening who you truly are at your core. So I'd like to ask each of you to describe to me how your character now looks now that they've become a demigod. Any volunteers to start? Wings? Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was trying to give y'all hints in the in the Discord, but didn't want to give too much away. Is Rook a magical unicorn boy? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I, I think um, he would definitely embody a lot of the traits of uh, Maliki, as his like shield is like a full blown like unicorn sort of head and like. His shoulders are super dope, and like his armor is very uh, thick, and is just uh, shimmering in emerald, sort of green. Uh, and as he tries his best to bring as much life and prosperity to as many things as possible, and uh, yeah. Does his physicality change? Does he glow? Do his eyes glow? Like, is there any divine manifest in his person? I think he would stay humble. I think he would. Maybe he has the ability to. Uh, be super obnoxious and, and glow like a you know a divine being, but he would stay like orcish, and uh, his armor though would be very um, ornate and I love uh, it. pretty cool. Yeah. Anyone have an idea for theirs? Okay, I got it. So I would say that uh, Willie is still short, much to her chagrin, 
But as she looks around, she notices um, just sort of not a pattern, but kind of the an echo or vestige of a recorder kind of motif on both her arms. And she does have like small wings, but they're not feathers. They're sort of like clockwork that kind of turn in sprockets and stuff and don't really functionally work. I think that it's just there for funsies. And she's like just slightly, maybe an inch or two just floating off of the ground and is just like. I like that you are a demigod and you can fly and hover, but you still have clockwork wings that don't work, but just to like complete the illusion. That's the most willy thing. A lot of form, not function. Yeah. Hey, aesthetic is important though. Like, gotta get that um, branding. So Navi obviously also have things in the kind of like her butterfly mask that she's been wearing this whole time and kind of like form into her like wings. Um, but she's not like insect like, she's more like. more like agile looking than that um she's still kind of humanoid and kind of like butterflyish, but not like kind of like an in-between kind of space yeah yeah okay beef stew ozim is almost entirely unchanged save for one very slight difference is that instead of his irises being red they are now indigo and that's it. And with that, you four are free to explore the dreaming worlds. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of time on this. It's not going to be the whole thing. Um, but anything you wish to do, you can travel together. You can strike out on your own. You can basically tell me any place you'd like to visit, any type of world you'd like to see, anything you'd like to do. You can interact with people, and as a demigod, you can even start to build your own worship, if you would like. You can also visit your home worlds. However, you can only visit them after the point at which you were brought to the god plane, or for you, Willy, after the point in your vision. You can also meet and interact with heroes from the Forgotten Realms. It will take a little bit of work, but they do visit the Dreaming Realms when they sleep. So what does this group of newly formed demigods get up to? And we're all aware of this just intrinsically. And you, and just, yeah, just confirm. So we did save our worlds and all that have, kind of stuff. You have saved okay. it all. The nightmare has been defeated. Willie's just like fist pumping. Believe it! Oh, she's going to look around because she sees everybody looks cool. And she's just like, wow, looks at Ozum. Uh, anyways, how, what, what should we do? So Rook will, uh, Rook will definitely have Kingdom Hearts it to like create like portals in each world uh, to be able to visit other like, you know, worlds and all that kind of stuff. That way A we can ship. like- Yep, exactly, exactly, yeah. Visit each other and everything, so I think that'd be good. And then he would, he would definitely, 
do the whole thing where he looks like a normal dude uh, in in life, but no one really knows he's a demigod, and just like you know rewards the kind and like you know deals with the unjust sort of thing in a slight way, but mostly just watch and observe, and then hang out with his homies on the weekend. Um, Navi is going to be in decision overwhelm for a little while because mm -hmm. she doesn't know what it's like to have free will really or do anything that she wants to do without having somebody tell her where to be or where to go so she knows she wants to get as far away from that so she doesn't want to go back to where she's from so she kind of just spends time exploring different areas seeing what's comfy seeing and how other people live trying to get as many books as possible there are a multitude of worlds with a multitude of libraries and not only that i don't know if navi would actually though it sounds like she's trying to get comfortable right navi might discover that there are even more stories and even more knowledge to be found than what's written down because she can speak to people mm. and she can talk to people as they're forming these theories and as these ideas are coming together and i'm Honestly, not sure if that's something that ever occurred to her. Hmm. For sure. That makes sense. Alright. Everybody's doing their thing. Willie is not an insular thinker, so she's thinking out loud. I... Oh my goodness! I win! What do I want to do first? Okay. Um... Oh, and she looks at Nabby. We have to go back to that place that we were at with that bird person and all those people because I need to go and take care of that. And um, and then I want to go to uh, DM's town because I got to tell him that we made it because the last time I saw him was in the furnace in that nightmare house. And um, and she looks around just bouncing on both feet. Who wants to come with me? I feel like as demigods, we have our own like office building with cubicles and then we work on our stuff and then we just like our coworkers. <laughs> um. Ozum is going to, when he hears uh, Willie start talking about her brother, right? Dan's her brother. Uh, oh, it's a, a friend oh, her from friend. a neighboring town. Um, he's going to kind of crouch down to, to her level and say, there's something important that we need to tell you about your friend. What's that? He uh, Ozum kind of glances around and takes a very deep breath and goes, he doesn't really know the right way to phrase it because he's used to telling people terrible things to get answers from them and not in a kind, sympathetic way. I can tell you bad news. Not in the good Rick, way to tell you bad news. Rick will definitely yeah. look at Ozum struggling and, and be like, Ozum will want to do this. Okay, he'll, Rick, Rick, if yeah. he sees you, like he, he'll kind of hold a hand up to you and be like, Go for it. Loss is a funny thing. Sometimes when it happens your brain will know that it's what happened and will do whatever it can to keep you from knowing that that's the truth. 
because your heart so badly doesn't want to believe it that it will do whatever it can to make it feel like things are okay. And I'm not sure if it made sense in the moment or if you even realized that it was happening. But your friend is gone. Thing picks over Willie's demigod face. It goes, this is the worst joke you've ever told. I Ozim. don't joke about things like this, and I wanted you to hear it from us rather than you finding it out yourself. But yeah, he's not joking. I, I'll, I'll, I'll argue for the other side where we didn't see a body, we only heard a voice, and we can, we can, we assumed that he died. So just prepare for the worst, but it might be best just to check, just to, in case. But, but the, and she doesn't want to say it out loud because it'll totally oust her that she had spoken with the nightmare he had offered her safety and comfort and that everything would be okay and she doesn't know how to articulate that. You you don't understand. You can't be right. That that couldn't have happened. I I um she kind of trails at home. Um then Why just do starts you think crying. That? I I just I know. I I know that that can't be right. What what is driving you to feel that way? Did someone tell you that things were going to be okay? And she looks incredibly guilty. Y yes. Who? Did... Did the cat tell you? Oh, I wish. I, I... I didn't think we were going to make it. I, I got desperate. I didn't know that it was going to end this way. Mm -hmm. I... I... I don't know if it happened to you guys, but I was... I was offered a deal at the last moment. He said that it would be okay if I stayed my hand. And I did just for a little bit. Then the Supreme told you that? The, the nightmare we were fighting told me that. Yes, the Supreme, the nightmare, it's the same thing. That thing is nothing but a liar. He tells you what you want to hear to get you to do what he wants. How else would I have turned out the way that I turned out? And Willie can't even be mad. She realizes <laughs> that in all of her judgment that Ozum should be better and that he's just irredeemable, that she's no better. Because when push came to shove, she agreed to that, and she just just starts silently water falling from the eyes and just looks at Rook and says, I'm so sorry. It's it's all good. We, we're even though we are how we are right now, uh we're only like mortals, you know, originally. So we are fallible. And I keep in mind, not everything in that experience was real. Like I saw my master come, you know, to life as a tree, and that wasn't like real quote unquote so like check it out for yourself but just prepare for the worst and uh and if you need us we're we're absolutely here for you 
he just trumps over and just like headbutts herself into his uh, breastplate with a and just hugs him and starts crying. We'll have true power now, the power of friendship. All right. Uh, Ozum, is there anything you want to do? We'll circle back around to what everyone little vignettes here, but anything Oz in on <laughs> anything on Ozum's mind? No. If anything, he would probably is Vassal still there? Mm -hmm. He'd approach her and just say What do I do? What do you wish to do? There is worlds upon worlds for you to explore. There's nothing for me on any of them. Even as a demigod, you cannot turn back time. I can't. You could try to help others, protect them from the pain you've known. You could help me. There are still threats. There are still dangers that are trying to you trust me enough now? I think you have proven yourself beyond anyone else. And I am sorry I doubted you. I hope you can understand why. I can absolutely understand why. I mean, it's plenty of far more reason to not trust me than any reason to trust me, and I'm used to most people not trusting me anyways. I'm glad you can be reasonable. I'm nothing if not usually reasonable when the time calls for it. <laughs> but I guess for now I'd rather stay and help you because I can't think of anything that I that I feel like I'm capable of doing anywhere else. She kind of glances back to what is an empty space, but clearly she's aware of something there. She says, somehow I don't think they're done with you yet. You should take some time to try to find something that brings you joy, if you can. But if you can't, I can certainly put you to work. She cracks her knuckles and her kind of barely there ASMR wings flicker. You could tell this is a woman who does like to fight. I mean, I'm a demigod. I can change my mind whenever I feel like it, right? Of course. So um, I'll stick around here for now. All right. So, Ozum, you certainly take the time to circle back with and connect with your friends. I feel like you're the one who's probably going to be, you and Willie are the most likely to keep circling back and checking in on everyone. But you actually develop a little bit of a worship of your own, maybe accidentally, right? There's, it starts as a rumor, as a story of some this traveler orc who, if you're kind and good, the traveler orc might protect you. 
and you do good where you go, and you actually, yeah. Oh, it's an MLM scheme. It, it's uh, it's definitely all his followers. <laughs> uh, but you do good, and you you're a little hands off, a little cautious, but you definitely impact the lives of others for good. Navi, you wander, and you find more knowledge than you could have hoped easily because there are countless worlds for you to explore. And if you so choose, you make friends and you meet people and you can actually help others uncover knowledge, not just read it yourself. You find that if you spend time with people, you can help them build their own theories and build their own worlds. Not worlds, build their own, uh, further their knowledge. Ozum, you and Vassal travel and you discover that while there are none quite so big as the Nightmare, there are various demons, some even some fey and some of the more wily angelic type who are not thrilled with the chaos of dreams, who do threaten this place. And again, none quite so big and none quite so gnarly. But you get to bust a few skulls, and you become a protector of this space. Willy, you make your way back to your home country of Kaldara. Do you go alone, or do you ask one of your friends, or several of your friends, to go with you? I would send a little clockwork messenger sparrow to Ozum while he's doing his protector of the realm business and ask him to join me for sort of a paying of respects to DM in his home country. He'll go. But uh, he knows that he'll be going to his home country at the same time because they're from the same place. Uh, and it looks like reluctantly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, uh, or she, he finds her there. And I would say that whatever funerary rites and rituals that had happened have long since passed. It's probably been hours since the ceremony. And the only person who's there is Willie standing by herself, looking surprisingly normal. All her pomp and circumstance is gone. She's not even wearing her fuchsia barred outfit it's just a regular peasant's garb standing in front of a buried mound and she notices you and goes i didn't think you were gonna come quick aside how much time can we tell how much time passed um so time is weird in this space especially as a demigod um is there so willie when you return, it would have to be after your vision where you saw your brother middle-aged, old for middle-aged, but middle-aged. This war is still ongoing. You can choose to go shortly after that, or you can choose to have waited longer. I just know that she would want to be at DM's headstone or pyre or anything that would coincide with his beliefs. Okay, so she goes fairly quickly she doesn't like wait to make sure okay 
No. Um, I think she, after hearing what everyone told her, she would need to see it for herself just to make it real. It's rough. Um, you discover through your godhood and through your connection to your friend, you are able to find his resting place. However, it's not a headstone. There is a collapsed mine tunnel. And beyond it, you know exactly where, but you would have to use your powers to move through. Uh, it seems that DM and several other of his companions not only did not make it out of that encounter, there was a collapse and they have been left there without aid, without a proper burial. Does anybody know, or is it just sort of like his village is like, well, we know what happened, but we can't recover the remains? If you ask around, um, you know, it's not a small village. This is uh, shortly outside of the capital city, and um, it's a time of war. Uh, this was a space they were using to try and develop a technology that would help them against the Kaldarians, because they were at war. And um, when the collapse happened, Betzalel did not have the resources to dig through what they knew was a completely fatal thing and diverted resources to try to help the living who are still in need. And um, how, what is the time gap between Ozem and Willy? So like how many generations, like would his face be recognizable by anybody that's still alive? No, it has been several hundred years. Okay. Um, and Betzalel was really rarely not inhabited by gnomes. Betzalel was much more um, of what we would call the monstrous races, and much shorter lived. Caldara, uh, if you were in Caldara, maybe there's a chance, but because uh, some gnomes and some of the elves there are longer lived. Most have not, and as you experienced, the actual story, your actual history has been distorted so much that I mean, you're a big scary tiefling, but you're still just a tiefling, not a demon, so most wouldn't even begin to make the connection. Well, alright. You know, I'm assuming she knows Ozum is there, but she's staring at this mine and just starts talking. I was gonna dig him out, and then I realized that there are other people in there. Then I felt bad, and I don't know. She kind of side glances him. If I learned anything, it's better to let them lie. I loved him, but I didn't, like, love him, love him the way... And then she circles her chest. You know. How... How do you get over this? I'm... I thought that being a demigod would make this easier. You don't. It never gets easier. Like I said, loss is a funny thing in that sense. It can be years and years and years later and you might smell something or hear something 
and it brings every memory back. Things that you thought you had pushed down enough. Things that you thought you'd gotten over. And it just, it's still there and it will never go away. It's mainly about how you continue to choose to live your life with the burden that you now have. And you have to carry it with you. But in a sense, you kind of get to decide how heavy that burden is. And there are times where you don't get to decide it and it might be heavier than you want it to be. And it could take a little while for it to feel lighter. But it's always, what? And she glances up. Are you feather light or thousand ton weight? The weight of everything, not just of her, but of everything that I've done. It's never gotten any lighter. If anything, it's only gotten heavier. And there's times where I think I'm about to let it crush me. And I want to. Because I'm so tired. I have no reason to keep holding it up, but I do. Am I doing it for her? I don't know. Am I doing it for all those people whose lives I cut short? I don't know. But I just have to keep shouldering that burden. I don't want you to be here just to hurt. And then she like reaches up and takes his hand. But I am glad you're still here. I'm glad you didn't die back there. I'm glad I'm not here by myself. And she looks at the mind. She's like, I'm glad someone. I'm glad someone's a fat ass heavy just like me. I think it'll get lighter for you. It might take a whole lot of time. But it will get lighter. I won't leave you. I won't promise it because that wouldn't be fair. But you know that you loved him in your way of loving him. And hold on to that. Hold on to the love and the good things. Because those make it a little bit easier. And they don't weigh as much as the bad. He stares ahead and goes... I know he just wanted to tell stories. And that's what I'm trying to do. I don't know, to honor his memory or something. Just tell stories. Talk about our adventures, even. Adventures that you guys are all having. I've been, you know, following all the exploits that we've been doing since we kind of went our separate ways. It's made it better a little bit. What do you do for... You know. 
he just she's kind like of afraid shrugs. to say her name. Like she's like, should I say her name or not? <laughs> he just kind of shrugs and goes, "I'm good at following orders, so whatever they tell me, I'll go and do it." And that's really all about I can make myself do right now. Can Can I give you an order? You can try. <laughs> and then she goes. Can I have a hug? <laughs> He'll crouch down and open up his arms for her and she doesn't even go for them. She just claps hers around his head. Just starts his crying. His fat neck, his big beefy neck. <laughs> and he'll kind like... of like, he won't really know the right way to like embrace her because she's so small that he's, he's afraid of hurting her, you know? Um, but he'll, he'll do what he can. <laughs> he'll just cling there getting snot and tears on his cheek but like feeling really good about it thanks he'll just kind of nod you'll feel him nodding he hasn't cried yet though he won't get me yet the knight is still young that is very young oh <laughs> I don't like that Kay and that's all I got so Lily you pay your respects and you do. You travel to various worlds, and you learn stories, and you tell stories, and you honor your friend's memory. And the stories you find, because the places you all go, there are... You all came from fairly standard worlds, but there are worlds where cotton candy grows on trees. Like, there are worlds that are pure children's imagination, and the most weird and wonderful and magical place that you can imagine, you can go. And you can just hang out in outer space and watch planets dance, not just orbit, but dance, because this is a child's dream world. And you spend time. Time is a strange thing here. It expands and it flexes. And you can somewhat control how much time you spend. For some of you, it may be days, and for others, it may be years you explore the dreaming worlds, testing out your new powers, righting wrongs, or just telling stories. Eventually, Ozum, you feel yourself pulled towards a point. It's not scary or bad. Even as a demigod, you feel an intense pressure, both in your ears and against your soul. Time and space warping in a way that it was not meant to. And when it snaps back to this heavy, high pressure, almost normalcy around you, you are standing before a burning castle. You look upon that night, which seems so very, very long ago now, when you and your men sacked the capital city of Keldara. Smoke hangs in the air, and a shack stands before you. 
you know that a proud but foolish prince is tied up within, waiting for your menstruations. And as you look at this, you realize that you're not seeing it quite the way you saw it that night. You're hovering slightly off the ground. Spectral. You look down, and sure enough, you can see yourself standing there, striding towards the shack. Jackson's cruel laugh hangs in the air behind you. You know what's about to happen, and you know that the legend of the Butcher of Betzalel is about to begin here on this night. But suddenly everything seems to freeze and crystallize, and you see a misty door form, solid and real to your eyes that overlays the door to the shack. But just to the side shimmers another door, faint, indistinct, as if unsure. You look towards it, and you know, in the way that you know things in dreams, that this is a different path. This is something you could have done that night, but you did not. You look through the door, and you see yourself turn away from the Sovereign that night. You see that you live a life that is hunted much longer than yours was. But you do live it with a conscious less burdened than you currently do. And you know that on a certain day, on a cliff overlooking a certain mountain, there's a woman. And you know that on a certain night, something unspeakable, horrible, and unforgivable happens. You know that you can find her. And you know that you can force a change on that moment in time and this one. And all it will cost you is the sliver of godhood that pulses through you right now. For no mortal can change their past, but you're no longer a mortal. I hate you. <laughs> He's really going to struggle with this type of decision. And he's actually going to try to summon the miscat. Miscat does not appear. He will try to call for anybody that might hear him. It feels distant and hollow when you cry out. But you have formed a connection to someone quite powerful. And appearing before you, misty and vague, having difficulty even appearing in this form here, stands for Saul. 
What do I do? She takes a moment. This is a gift. This is a greater thank you than what you've had. Do you want to change your life? What if it isn't actually any different? What if something goes wrong again? What if... Just how much is it gonna change? She reaches for you, but she's not supposed to be here. This is a space just for you. And she can't quite grasp you. And she says, do you live your life in fear? Or do you live your life with one you love? I don't know. I don't know. She gets as close to your face as she can. She's tall, but not as tall as you. And she's also indistinct, so it's not nearly as threatening as she would like it to be. And she said, I was not given this. This is for you. And If nothing else, you will have new memories with her. But it will mean giving up what we do. You will live as a mortal and you will die as a mortal. choice is yours. Will you hate me again if I leave? She smiles and laughs and says, I am a stubborn woman. But once I learn, I learn. I don't know how the dreams live on in your mind but I promise I will watch over you I do you think I can I be also. good I think if you can be half as brave as you told that gnome to be and if you can be half the person that that woman thinks you are there's hope for you yet, beef stew. So I should take it? How often do you think one gets the chance to change their life? Will you tell the others? Of course. Though... If you make this choice, I don't doubt you might get a few visitors, even if 
you don't know it yourself. Will you tell them the reason why I put the rings where I put them? So you know, I lived a number of lives. I don't remember all of them clearly. Don't make me admit my weaknesses. You know I don't like this. Remind me, friend. I couldn't think of anywhere else where I could never lose them. She reaches out and puts one finger on each ring through your on your sternum. Says, "I hope you will never need." make that decision again thank you go with their blessing and with mine thank you thank you hero of the dreaming worlds and she and as in we'll go towards the other door as you do you find you don't so much move as you reach out and you touch your past self and you push them towards the door and as you push that spark of divinity that godhood fades from you and into your past self you feel your memories of the time in the God Plane grow fuzzy and disjointed. Dreamlike and distant, though still there in a confusing, jumbled way. And while your adventure here becomes a nagging dreamlike memory, that shard of divinity, you still carry echoes of it within you. And you hold on to the lessons you've learned, the decisions you've made, and a few very key moments. You indeed defy your lord and ruler. You storm away that very night, never to return. And it is hard. But you feel yourself for a way you don't understand fully drawn to certain blue and gold cliffs on one particular morning. And as you sit, wondering why you left a place that was brutal but secure, where you were feared and respected, you hear a voice. If you're going to throw yourself off a cliff, you should go up there. Be less likely to survive the fall. It's kind of fucked up to tell someone how to kill themselves. But I guess I'm one to talk. you two find each other again and you run away together and you keep her safe for as long as you can are there any special memories that you two lead produce together in your new life out from underneath the thumb the Supreme.
I just want to make a note that that Rook will harass Navi to teach him how to do kung fu. Nabi is down. For sure. I knew it. I was like, I was like, damn, she's holding that emotion so feeling. strong. But it's like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. She <laughs> still, but not that still. I know no. exactly, right? <laughs> I thought okay. it was just built when up the feels, <laughs> When the feels got too. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, oh I thought I'd goodness. really broken her. I was I starting mean, to feel totally this bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you cried. It's so good. Sophie's Look like, fuck this shit. Turn off the computer. <laughs> oh, I mean, so... I learned something about myself because I've never cried at an effing wedding before, but I guess <laughs> if you throw me at the end of the campaign. D&D, y'all. D&D will do and it. And it's a uh, lost lover's, like, dream. My heart, <laughs> my heart is swole right now. I can't. <laughs> it's so good. Like a K-drama, okay? Oh my gosh. <laughs> And this is just the first one. Ugh. We got more of y'all to go. Oh, jeez, there's more? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this all day. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Now. <laughs> Let's no, see. No, it's, you know, salty. salty. I'm going gonna... to go to this screen, and then I'm going to fix this up real quick. Because uh, she's got no internet. And we might have to circle oh, back to that out, soon. Out? Okay. Oh no! Well, ho hopefully, hopefully she'll be back soon, right? It, we it we went don't know out yet. At a perfect moment. It, was, it did. It really did. Was, yeah, I was like, wait, I mean, she's not blinking. Like, she's right? Right? so into it. I was like, I don't mm. want to rush this, but also. Okay. I'm sorry. See. Like, of all the places to lose your internet, that was perfect. It yeah, was. That 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 was that was some like. Sophie, so talented. Yeah, so... <laughs> Internet's like, wait for it. Okay, now. Right? <laughs> dramatically appropriate moment. So dramatically appropriate. There oh we gosh, go. I hope she's not there just going, and this happened, and I'm totally <laughs> talking about all of that. Hello? <laughs> no, she's like, she went from like, verge of tears to like, swearing up a storm at her internet. <laughs> Because you know that's what happened. This is my moment. I had I had an I had an I had it's literally called an oh shit page set up, but I did not have nice. a three up set up. So I would like for us to have faces for the next bit. So, Sophie, we will we will come back to you. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. I got one down. Uh, so yes, uh, we got, uh, we got oh, Rook and Nabi official? doing Kung Fu. Yeah, I was going to ask if the friendship necklaces was official. Oh, uh, so Sophie's DMing me right now and says yes, uh, so I guess we? we're just going to do it as canon. <laughs> I'm, I'm nice. here yeah. for it. I am so into it. Right. We've, uh, does that mean we all have to drop out when we, <laughs> after our conclusion we got a dipsy if I... So yeah, I want to hear about these uh, this kung fu. 
Oh, are we still doing Kung Fu or are we writing boy love fan fiction together? Yeah. I mean, no you're doing Why not both? Why not you know? both? Yeah, yeah, create our own money. Give the writers all of yeah. the money to commission them for more boy love fiction. So, content. in between Kung Fu sessions, we write, we, we, um, we co own a boy love fanfic. See, exactly. this is why y'all need Willie to, to, jump in because she would have been like we hired why don't you just we'll hire why don't Willie? you no why don't you write kung fu boy love fiction yeah like, two birds one stone mm -hmm. <laughs> perfect absolutely perfect we we want to commission willie to hire for us he's like so self-conscious being a bard singing these songs about kung it fu would, boy love it would be great because like uh, Willie is an artificer, so very, you know, yeah. tech savvy. You develop moving pictures and then, you yeah. know, convert the, the literature to film and then uh, it's good stuff. Nabby's just like, you have to make the, the clockwork kiss. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, that is exactly what Cassandra would do, yeah. which is kind of breaking me. It is so good. Almost somebody asked, like, oh, what a great performance. Who's the artist behind it? It wasn't me. I did not do that. <laughs> I could like, tell you who hey it guys, was not. Good it art. He's like, wow, who said that? I'm like, okay. I didn't. <laughs> Nabi, would like, you like to do your serious moment? I don't know if I can have a serious moment now. That was so deep and good. Like, I don't want to go was. after that. Like, that was so good. We're almost, we're almost, we're almost there. I mean, I'll, I'm Don't down to go. Okay. Okay. I'm over here just, you know, thinking. Pray to, pray to Rook for, uh, you know, good vibes. And, uh, yeah, it'd be cool. And of course, he would create a, a statue dedicated to his, his master, Asusena, the same place where she got executed. That way, uh, he could just spend time there in the park, you know, looking like <laughs> an old man or a young boy and just like chill out. She'd be like, you know, thank you so much for believing in me out of every people, everyone in my own whole entire life. You're the only one who, who you know, had my back and uh had you not done that taking the time the world the universe literally would have been destroyed and like your one action saved everyone so like forever in a day will i be grateful to you and uh and just trying to spread the teachings of uh so is maliki alive or is maliki like a dead god because <laughs> i just gotta remember that so we'll come back to that oh, because okay <laughs> willie you too feel the yes. pull of divine eventually. You slip through this strange pressure tunnel and find yourself in your bedroom. The sprocket on your desk. Diem's letter on the table before you. Before you, the window glows 
outlined with a misty frame, and through it stretches the future as you know it now. Below you, you see yourself standing, worrying your lip, your brow furrowed in unsure frustration. You look so young, so inexperienced, and so sure of things that you now know you will waver on. Behind you, two misty portals form on either side of the door, faint and thin with possibility. Through the first door, you see the future that your brother, Wedge, described to you one time on the God Plane. A long, brutal war that you ultimately win, but that scars and disfigures your family and honestly doesn't leave you feeling good about where you are, where your country is. Through that one, you stay and you help your family, but it's a great cost to your family and the world. And yet, you see a third door, even more thin and unsure. Glancing through it, you see yourself sneaking away from home, but this time not to chase some vague notion of adventure, but to help find your friend DM. The details here are hazy and uncertain, and while you sense hardship down this path, you also see something bright and hopeful at the end. Even more faintly is another door, barely there at the edge of your vision, where you can write your own path and do something completely different with all the knowledge that you now hold about the world. But there's no guarantee of what's gonna happen with that future. But you also know that you don't need to step through any of these portals. You can remain a lesser god of the dreaming worlds. You can live a hundred thousand adventures and craft a billion songs. It may all only be a dream, but you now know that your whole life before this was a dream. But you also know that while you can have endless adventures for as long as the god sleeps, your relationship to death and fear and temptation will be forever altered. And you will really never find yourself up against that situation that you felt when you faced the nightmare, when you gave in to temptation. And that may be something huge and comforting or something truly terrifying to Lily. So you stand, hovering in your childhood bedroom above a you that is possibly older than the rest of the party and yet still so young and childlike to your eyes now. What does Willie do? Willie really lingers on that hazy door where she's in a wagon seeking DM. It can't be more than just just a little bit like a stain of breath on a mirror, but she can't blink. She's just so everything in her body is telling her just I can I can fix this. I don't have to feel this way anymore. I don't have to 
be grieving and all of Ozum's advice at the mine just starts going through her head and she's just like, I can, I don't have to be like Ozum. I can not deal with that. But then she really thinks about Rook directly perishing based off of her weakness and the choice that she made to stay her hand and listen to the nightmare's temptation. And knowing how much that just twisted her up inside to see someone who she outright betrayed of, because of her own cowardice, but then turned around and act like it was nothing, was so ready to forgive her. And that just made it worse. And she realizes that as much as she wants to fix things, because that's her nature. And now that she's a demigod, that falls to people. These doors give her the opportunity to fix people and fix her friend and not have to carry this weight around. She knows that that's selfish, ultimately, even though she's doing it for what she feels would be a benevolent reason. But she doesn't ever want to be in that position again where she is weak, makes, succumbs to temptation and more of her friends pay the price for it. So the choice where she is able to sort of defend against that is the one that she would choose. And she takes one last look at the misty doorway that leads to what was the beginning of her adventure in that wagon. Just because she's the blubberator, it starts crying and just turns away from it just so she doesn't have to look at it anymore because she knows that this feels so similar it's such an odd deja vu and even though there's no creepy voice in her head she will not do that again and so you watch as slowly through both distance and mist this bedroom fades away and you feel yourself pulled back to the present in the dreaming world. And Willie remains a demigod, free to explore and free to create. What does Willie do now that she is permanently a god of the dreaming worlds? Is she able to return to her people and, like, her community? So, some of your family does still live. You can appear to them as yourself, though there's no guarantee they're going to recognize or believe that you are a god. Though they might. You can assist your community or you can assist your community and other worlds you're a demigod you have incredible powers i think she puts her own house in order first but i think that she really takes in the passage of time and sees how her family has moved on and gone through their own oh no my bad okay. i just pressed the button and gone through their own grief and loss and she doesn't want to like she doesn't want to reopen that because thoughts of DM and thoughts of Ozimer are still so recent to her, regardless of the time skipping. 
So, so she basically just turns herself into a patron. She doesn't involve herself in her family, but she contributes to her city by making just clockwork guard and issues all of her genius and tinkering and invention to help a kind of second renaissance and so make sure that they're kind of good so before you go too deeply into that you become very aware very quickly that your family is one of the foremost in Kaldara and Kaldara is as much as everyone in Kaldara hates the Supreme and hates these stories and hates this tale of just assault and attacking until they take over you see this is exactly what your country is doing and while you didn't oh notice it all before because you were young and head in the clouds and eager for adventure and your best friend was part of the country that was being attacked and how could that possibly happen especially now with being a demigod and your bird's eye view of things your people are the aggressors right now I would say that she is it possible for her to sort of erect a summit with uh, Rook and Abby to sort of seek their counsel yeah I think that if they answer her call that they would be kind of above Kaldar and she would kind of give the TLDR and just be like I I know this I, I know this is the nature of people I I know that history whoever writes it determines who's the aggressor and who's the victim and I don't I don't know what to do here I thought that being like this was going to give me all the answers well, um, I don't know if you guys have read this one, but there's a certain boy love that's very close to my heart called My Neighbor's a God, question mark, uh, exclamation mark. And uh, in there, it it, it kind of like explains this sort of concept that uh, even though you might have so much power, uh, that doesn't mean you should use it to bend things to your own will. Because uh, think about the, the, the nightmare God that we just fought, you know, that was, there was a, path that they were probably normal and they went down a dark path uh, trying to control things with their power and same with Tazic and everything like that so in these situations it might be best that we observe and we only interact for small little what things what Rook is trying to say <laughs> don't meddle in the mortal's affairs exactly you want to but don't no, I shouldn't, but at the end of the day, they're they're my people, they're my family, and I mm. I don't want them to be conquerors, but I don't want them to perish either. Yeah, and we have to understand that accepting this position <laughs> means that we are no longer mortals, like. Willie, make me a wisdom check. Just okay. for fun. And do it with advantage, because you're a demigod. Please, <laughs> Dice, let me tell oh. a story. Uh, just what am pulls I out his again? customer service voice wisdom. like yes well wisdom, yeah. wisdom. okay so I got a 19 okay so 
you were really wrapped up in the whole DM thing, and you and DM were really close, but you honestly didn't pay that much attention to, like, his family. But, outside of his immediate family. But, uh, you're a demigod now. And you start to do a little bit of snooping around with Rook and Nobby's wise advice in mind of maybe don't meddle too much in the realms of the mortals. And you quickly discover that DM has a cousin who's almost as brilliant as DM himself. And you still have those documents, the diagrams of your invention that you and DM were working on together. You discover that your father has taken your copy of these and is using them to construct a communication device that is giving Kaldara a massive edge in this war. But if those, if DM's copy of your documents happen to end up in his cousin's possession, maybe that could be a way you could meddle without meddling. I would say that she would do so. That she would find his workstation, leave it there, and I have no idea what influence she would have in contacting this person, being a demigod. I'm not sure what the extent of her abilities are. So. You reach out to Effie, who is it's strange. She has your chipper uppity go get him attitude, but then she can flip a switch and become as serious and as dedicated as DM. And she talks while she works. And you're not quite sure if she's talking to you or to herself. But you watch her as she works, and she starts using this communication device. She starts working on it, improving it. Do you, either by speaking to her, appearing to her, do you help her at all? Can I speak through the device? Sure, I like that. Okay. She just hears a metallic tunk, tunk, tunk. Hello? Is this thing on? Uh, 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 hello? Does someone else have a... Wait, no, I made this. I mean, my cousin yes. made this. Yeah, yes, you did. And, uh, Kaldara's also made this. And I just thought that maybe it would be a good idea for you to have it. Uh, are you Kaldarian? I am... And she really debates whether how to answer this as a demigod or as a regular to-do person. I'm an interested party. Do you have a name, interested party? Um... I am Ozim. <clears throat> yes, yes, that is my name. Ozim? That's a weird name. Okay. Um, hi, That Ozim. is really weird. But, you know, maybe my mother didn't love me. And... 
you start working with her and giving her advice and sharing what you've learned. And together, you and Effie, you take this beyond what your father had done. Originally, your plan was just to be able to communicate device to device. And you do that. And it allows Betzalel to compete with Kaldara and bring the war to a stalemate. And eventually a peace is brokered. But I assume Willie can't help herself. And she still just chats with Effie on occasion. And together, you and Effie create not just a device that communicates device to device, but one that can broadcast to anyone who has that device in their home. And together, you and Effie create a way for stories and music to enter the homes of everyone. He makes it a point to make the devices that are in the home look exactly like the curious little, as we call it, telephone that they found in the Miss World. And people are like, wow, that's really grim, but it's really handy. I guess I'll buy one. Do you encourage her to share this across borders? Because remember, this is technology being developed within your rival to your home country. And she comes back, tink, tink, tink. Hey, uh, Effie? It's, yeah. uh, <clears throat> it's me, Ozum, again. Hi, Ozum! So, I was really thinking about, uh, DM. I don't know, he's really on my heart lately. After everything we've done and everything that we've kind of been able to make happen because of the what we've worked on together, I just... He was always telling me that we should be telling stories and it shouldn't just stop at our cities and just our ears. I I don't know what you think, but I really think that this should, these stories need to go beyond our territories. It needs to go everywhere. That is what Dee would want, isn't it? He was yeah, always he was a such dweeb. a bleeding heart. Ugh. A gusher, I know! Fine. Also, can you help me decide the price points? Because, like, I could really make bank with this, but also, Dean wanted it, and, like, he would have wanted everyone to have it, but I could make so much money. I like money a lot. Yeah, he liked money, too. You guys are so similar. <laughs> you know what? I, I've meddled quite enough. I just... If you want to make money, I leave that up to you, but starting out, maybe, you know, give people a, a teaser or a, an amuse-bouche, if you will. All right. Um, oh, just so you know, I kind of didn't tell you this. I don't... Do you, do you watch me from outside this box? Uh, she lies. No. Okay. Um, I kind of written a book... And I've kind of written about you in it. Is that okay? I mean, what's in it? Just... I want 
wanted to take notes about how we made this, and I mean... I don't know who you are, but... I don't know if you're... Someone from Kaldara, or if you're a god, or if you're just a creeper in the attic. I've really checked the attic, I don't think that's it, but... It wasn't all me, and I wanted to write how this happened, because this is a really big leap. And I think we're going to change the world, and I didn't do it alone. Her eyes are just getting completely glassy without thinking. She goes, you want to meet for some meat or something? Yeah! And then she immediately goes, um, yeah, uh, maybe uh, at night with all the lights off and maybe outside the city. That feels... I've got a rape whistle. Uh, um, okay, okay, maybe... Maybe afternoon, someplace public, with lots of people. Okay. Okay. I've, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to reading your, your draft. And with that, you meet your first disciple. And Lily comes up wearing wearing none of her demigod regalia, just trying her best to look as ordinary as possible. And it's been quite some time since she's done that, so she just walks really robotically and sits down. And you spend Hello. an amazing afternoon with your best friend's cousin. And the story of Willie Ozum the Wondrous is born. And you become a patron of bards. And all across the world, people come to Effie to tell their stories of their adventures, to sing their songs, so it will go into the homes of everyone. And you develop a small but passionate worship from adventurers who you bring them together, collect their stories, and share them and do your best to keep them safe. And that's where we're going to take our break. <laughs> we will be back. Sorry. <laughs> it happens. We will be back in about 10 minutes, y'all. I, I hit the button. I'm really quick on the button press today. We'll be back in about 10 minutes. Uh, thank you for hanging out, and we will see you real, real soon.
We are back. Nabi. Knowledge beyond what you ever imagined is available to you. Books, scrolls, and people themselves are filled with stories and theories. You wander, you read, you research, you learn, until you feel a pull. Time pulls and you find yourself much younger, but no less hungry for knowledge, stepping into a small room. A book, a scroll, and a letter rest on the table. And you hear the monk who led you here say, touch nothing, sit, meditate, prepare yourself for the trial. You know now that this was a test of faith, of restraint. Could you harness your own hunger for knowledge and put your faith in the dreaming God to be his champion? They're chosen. You watch as your younger self looks at the items on the table, burning with curiosity, hungering for knowledge. And you know the long and lonely path which stretches before her. This was it. You're startled to hear a familiar voice speak to you, though it too feels distant and slow. A misty, incorporeal form of Vassal appears to you, hazy and not really there. She looks at your younger self, her now mismatched eyes filled with sadness. This was the great disqualification, the reason I was chosen champion instead of you. I always thought it had to be something grander, more offensive. She smiles at you, but even in the misty form, her eyes are sad. You have everything you wanted now. All of our knowledge is yours to explore for as long as the god dreams. Knowledge even from the realms of the waking, if you can find the right dreamers. She lowers her eyes. I did not know until just now that it did not have to be one of us. Ayueth brought me here, and I realized it could have been both of us. She meets your eyes again, surprisingly vulnerable. We could have been chosen. We could be chosen champions. Make an insight check. I do so advantage because you're a demigod. No, fun <laughs> insight. Uh, oh, rip, gonna need that advantage. Uh, 25 for the net 20. Okay, Vassal is hard to read on the best day. She has had a lot of time to school her face. And you're looking at her in a misty form, but you watch her open to you like one of the many books you've spent so much time with. She is not a woman who asks for things. And 
what she's asking for here is something she doesn't believe she even deserves. Companionship and friendship. But it seems like she's hoping, unspoken and afraid, that you might give up your godhood, change this moment in time, and join her as a champion. But the choice is yours. Yeah, that's... that's... that's not really... I mean... Nobby thinks about it, she thinks back to that moment, and like... The first thing she feels is imposter syndrome. Because now she's like, great, this is not... How did I get from there to here? Um... of a silence it's like you know i get i get it i do and maybe a different version of me would have taken that choice for sure um but after going through what i went through with tazik and seeing how this kind of intelligence can make mortal people go crazy I definitely would rather hold on to the ability to hold on to this knowledge. But like, yeah, I appreciate the offer and all of that. Um, I, I just don't, yeah, I, I don't want to risk me ending up like him. <laughs> I've already had one lifetime where I made it, you know, and it was good, so. Uh, I don't know if I want to roll that dice. <laughs> I understand. I suppose I'm only missing Ozum. Uh. Well, and she motions again, and if another hazy, misty doorway appears, and she says, This was where they thought you might be able to change your life if you wanted to, but... There are other doorways open to you. Is there another decision you would like to change, or do you wish to remain? I I like this. This, what's going on here. This is good, so I'm gonna just keep doing this thing. She nods and gives you an almost bow. She says, we both thank you for all you've done for us. You feel How yourself- pulled back to the dreaming worlds and the expanse of it opens to you what does Nabi do as she lives as a demigod uh, Nabi the demigod is going to do whatever the hell she wants whatever the hell she wants she's taking full advantage of not being told what to do so um, it's really her, her whims come at a moment's notice, and they leave just as quickly. So I assume she's something of a, a chaotic... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Her friends see her a lot, whether they know it or not, or care to, but... You do, on a rare occasion, 
though not entirely infrequently, have some tense conversations with Vassal when she is occasionally sent to rein in some of your sharper impulses. But yes, she also does visit you when she can because she does genuinely like and admire you. And you are also able to not only commission mountains of boy love, but she actually aids you and whenever possible gives you the heads up whenever Dritzt and his companions enter the dreaming worlds so that you can meet your hero and even go on a few whimsical adventures at their side. Yeah, we like hang out. Does Nabi try and establish any kind of worship as she goes? Does she... Um, she no. No. She sees, like, what Rook's got going on, and she thinks that's great. And she she respects, you know, the Willie Ozum thing. Um, but she doesn't want mortals anywhere near her, or any, even knowing who she is as a person. So she's she's good. So even against her best efforts, there does rise the tales of a dark butterfly god who flits in and out and sometimes heals and sometimes hurts and whose wings flaps can change the course of lives and never be seen again. Rook, you spend your time helping, watching, and even from the beginning, your good nature affords you followers and believers without your even trying. But eventually, you too feel that soft, insistent pull of the divine, a feeling you've become quite familiar with. You find yourself suddenly standing in a field, a ring of merchants' carts spread before you. You know it's their last camp before your mind shies away from what happens next. You look to your right and you see your family home, a bustling household hardly ever seemed to notice you, and certainly never your accomplishments, meager though they were. You shake your head, and to your left, the land gives way to cliffs that drop sharply off. And below them, you see a group of soldiers clustered around a figure pressed to their knees. Everything is frozen in time and eerily still. So many regrets. The voice startles you, even more so because you don't hear it with your ears, but with your mind. You glance down, and beside you stands a child, the dreaming god. A golden horn sprouts from their forehead, a symbol you've come to recognize that they wear that horn when they appear as I win, at least to you. 
I can't find where to bring you to ease the greatest part of your pain. They wave a hand and you see a face familiar. Another person that you let down. Another wave and a different face appears. And then another. They shake their head and look up at you. Their eyes somehow both the misty blue that you're familiar with and endlessly liquid dark like those of the unicorn that you knew them to appear as. Did I ever bring you happiness? And Iowen is saying this to me? And, uh, and Iowen's a cousin of Maliki, right? Uh, so this is the dreaming god who is also Iowen as you know them, who was the companion unicorn to Maliki. And he'll just kind of uh, shrug a little bit and be like, I mean, you never slighted me in, in any case. And, uh, you know, all the grievances that I had when I was immortal uh, seems so small and brief now, especially now that I get to examine so many other lives uh, around here. I had it better and worse than, than a bunch of other people. So <laughs> it is of no consequence. They smile and nod. It seemed pleased by that and they turn and hop up onto a fallen log that was not there a moment ago and they kind of walk across it arms outstretched balancing your world was one of my first you know I wasn't very creative when I made it I borrowed a lot from the waking worlds the realms I came here to forget I even borrowed gods from those worlds. They reach the end of the log and turn to face you. Their eyes burrow into you. Make an insight check. And do so at advantage! Demigod! I'm taking advantage of this. First one was a 15, so let me see what the second one is. We're gonna go with the 15, I think. You see, while this is a god, they are still a godling. They're still very childlike, and they're likely endlessly old, but also in the span of the great immortality, young. And in that way that children feel many things and feel them intensely, you see a glimmer of jealousy along with a desire to protect and pride. But mostly, you see them watching you, trying to read you, judging your every reaction, as they say. I made you. You live inside my dream. But you reached out to her. It's almost accusatory. Somewhere, your bond with her became stronger than your bond with me. Your magic started coming from her instead of from me. Somehow, you, Ricardo, reached beyond me and into the waking world. 
Their lips pull into something between a frown and a pout. She wants to claim you now. To make you her champion outside of the Dreaming Worlds. I want to keep you. They look petulant and stubborn for a moment. But their eyes move around these scenes from your past that still linger. But I didn't do a good job with you. I needed you to fight the nightmare, and I told her not to interfere, and she really wanted you, so I made a deal. But the choice is yours. Will you stay here? Or will you become her champion? And really quick, what was that What was that deal? Really, just to just clarify. When she tried to take you, and I needed you to fight the nightmare. So I told her she had your mine. I told her I needed you, but I would let you decide where you wanted to go when I no longer needed you as a champion. Well, um, I appreciate that you that you're like a big fan of me. I, I like I'm all about that. Uh, I feel like the dreaming realm needs definitely um, some help to prevent what happens prior from ever happening again. Uh, so, I mean, but you know, the whole mind thing, the possessive thing, you know, as long as we can establish healthy boundaries and like, uh, I think that might, I, I could stay here to, to help out as long as I know for a fact that the, the other realm is, is perfectly fine as is, and doesn't also need assistance. Cause all I want to do is, uh, make this place better than, than I found it. I really did a good job with you. You can see that they really want to lie here. But they're like a child who knows they're going to get caught. If not by you, by someone else. Both places need help. I thought this place was great, but it's not. And she needs a champion. I have the solve. If if they need me, then therefore I will uh, help them out uh, right before I make friendship bracelets for all my homies. And, uh... They hold up a hand, and it's you can see the the, the conflict, how conflicted they are. Both places need you. Both can find champions. You will remain a demigod here. You will be a servant, but a servant of the greatest. A servant who reached across worlds. To, a servant of one who reached across worlds to take you. It is your choice. 
whoever needs me the most, that's where I'll, I'll be. So it sounds like Maliki needs me at this moment. Is there any way I can come back or is this a, a one-way trip? You get another little flash of that petulance on their face where they say, there will always be a place here for you when you dream. We owe this to you. Well, I want to thank you for giving me this time and this opportunity to be able to serve you and be here and get to meet so many wonderful people. But I think I will travel to this other realm to be able to continue to fight for what is right uh, after I get to spend a day with uh, my dear friends. Well, one of your friends has chosen to take a step and is living a mortal life again. I would encourage you to visit, but not speak to him. His timeline is going to be treacherous enough. But yes, I will have you here as long as I can. And they wave their arm and Nabi, Willie, you feel a pull. Do you come? Do you appear oh, to your oh, friend? Oh, I thought it was like no choice. Heck yeah, yeah I'm no. Going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What do you say, Rip? I'm literally crying right now. So. Uh. <laughs> Let's assume yes. Let's assume yeah. All right. Wheatley lands in new, newly donned a demigod regalia. Yeah, what is it? Hey. Uh, so apparently um, there's a whole other realm with, with battles and conflicts that is uh, championless and... Uh, they need me to, to serve over there. So unfortunately, I'm going to be having to depart from this place to go there. And it, it's going to be a one-way trip. Uh, Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. You're saying they. What do you, what do you want? I think <clears throat> I wouldn't be able to live with myself, especially for eternity, knowing that I could have helped out uh, countless thousands or billions. Um, just to, to satisfy my own sort of like whim and everything. So I think that I'm going to have to decide with what's what's right, you know, what my master would want me to do and what uh, I've been taught and use this power for good. Um, although the carnivals will still happen and uh, for celebrating well, each one of you. First of all, yay for a carnival still going. And secondly, I mean, I don't want to have you waver at the precipice if you've already made this decision, but we, we saved the dreaming world we did our heroic duty and we were pretty rewarded for it and she like looks at both of them like i mean the glowing the wings i mean come on i mean don't you think you've done enough what i don't know is it if if there's even enough like i i can't just spend the rest of eternity doing 
nothing. I got whatever a different... you want, doing whatever you want. That's true. And I think whatever I want is to help as many people as possible. But uh, even though this is a one way trip, I still feel like one day we'll be able to see each other and be able to spend time with one another. And uh, uh, I definitely have to see Ozan before um, his lifespan ends because now it's completely short and uh, mortal lives go by so fast now that we're demigods. And you're, you're gonna do that, the two of you. I think uh, I think that's what's what's for best, honestly. Oh well, hey, what like? Like, can I come with you? <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! You want to go and mortal it up? Actually, no. You're right. I don't. That's that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. I expected it of Ozum. I, I don't know if I told you guys, but we had a we had a talk. He visited my friend DM and kind of put him to rest. I don't know. I had a feeling that this this whole deal, this reward, wasn't for him. I I just didn't expect it from you, Rook. I thought that thought we were gonna be ride or die, you know. I mean, we will always be right or die. Like our friendship doesn't end here just because we gotta. I have to leave. Um, you know, I thought our friendship was going to end when. And she looks guilty even now, despite the passage of time. I thought our friendship was over when I killed you. Thank goodness for that miscat, huh? <laughs> okay, so if you tell a dad joke and then you feel like a tap on your, like, you're getting slapped? Like, that's me. Okay. I appreciate so, that. Just come saying hi. <laughs> and he will definitely give, like, uh, Willie his shield, and then Nabi his, like, like, uh, Howard, essentially, to, uh, be like, please never forget me. You guys mean the world to me, and I hope that, like, all of your days are complete bliss and, uh, incredible. Can I have your scroll collection? You, I'll take the halberd back, and then yeah, yeah, you can have my <laughs> okay. scroll collection. Thank you. One item per. I guess I'll give this to Ozum. I mean, I'm the story writer here, and I feel that I should say something significant. How bliss will only be a shade of it because you're not here. But I mean, uh, uh, you know, I don't have to say anything. You know. And she like get over here, crouch down. You're too tall, even now. Demigod group hug. hug. <laughs> and Nabby, get in here. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable you feel. This is for Rook. She just holds out an arm. Are you Bye. all visiting Ozum Bye. together before Rook leaves or no? Uh, I am definitely visiting Ozum. Um, I assume they are, but I'm not sure. Um, Yeah. They're not going on a trip to visit Ozum without me. Thank you. If the fellowship is breaking, we should... Give it one last send off. Yeah, since he left first. I mean, that's kind of on brand. I, but at least Rook is saying goodbye. All right. And you all make your way 
Where do they find you, Ozum? What is Ozum's life, life like? You'll see him with a woman with indigo eyes and scars on her forehead where horns should have grown. And you'll see her wearing two rings. And Ozum will look happy in a way that you've never seen him look happy before. There's no kids. They're content enough with each other's company. And Ozum is a little too afraid of that type of responsibility. And he doesn't feel like he's cut out enough to be a father. And Lyra accepts that. She knows not to push him on certain things. And that he's learning what he's actually afraid of rather than what he was capable of doing to make others fear. He looks tired. There's still a weight that he carries with him every day with what he's done. But you'll see that he talks a lot more. And she listens and she gives him advice. And he'll begrudgingly take it. But he's internally grateful for everything that she says and for the fact that she's still there. And every day that he wakes up and he sees her, he thinks, why me? How and why me? With everything that I've done, how do I still deserve this? And every day she finds a new way to tell him exactly why he deserves the love that he's getting now. And every day, the weight feels a little bit lighter. And Ozum, you are walking one day and you see three faces that they're familiar, but you can't quite place them. It's like they're out of a dream. And you feel a kinship, but you can't quite tell where or why. And Willie, as you look at him, you realize, even though you've spent a lot of time in Kaldara, the story of the Butcher of Betzalel resides in no mind but your own. Alright, so I visit Ozum a lot, and Ozum, like, totally doesn't remember us. Like, slightly he does, but, like, not that much. So usually what I gotta do is wait till a dark story of night and just be weary travelers on a road, and he usually lets us in and then chill out and get to hang out for a night and eat dinner and all that kind of stuff. So that's probably what we're gonna, we're gonna have to do here. So... He moves our- around a lot, just so you know. He can't stay in one place because he's on the run. <laughs> it's, like, a bitch to find Ozum because he moves around a lot. So, like... But you're demigods, it's fine. 
Yeah. You find him, yeah. But So alright, let's let's try to brainstorm this. Nabi, what are we selling? We're weary merchants on the road. Rock. Does right. he learn to recognize them and like? Are you okay? Like this has been your life. Dad, yay! Best friends for life. As he holds up his like half of best friend uh, necklace. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if if he's been doing this for a while, yeah. Ozem at this point knows yeah. Rook and like welcomes him like you know a friend. Uh, and if it's the first time that Willie and Nobby deliberately tries to erase your memory. Yeah. Oh, I don't miss his memory. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. yeah. You, 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 you felt a, you oh. felt a, something familiar when you first met him and couldn't place it now, and it still always kind of nags at you. But yeah, you know, you know this guy. Okay. So for Rook, it's just you know Ozem clearly seems happy to see him, and like Lyra will ask him about everything, like we'll ask Rook about his life, and you know immediately is picking up conversation wherever the last time they left it off because that's what she's like um and she will make Nobby and Willie feel just as welcome and like they've also always been there like yeah these are my sisters and then just like <laughs> and me Nobby and Willie are just looking at each other like this what just just go with it this, this is, is the gimmick this is perfect if it, it's funny that you should mention that because about the memory manipulation I think that if this is something the three of them have done more than once Willie would have taken Nabby and Rook aside and especially after seeing what Ozen's life is like now and be like I don't want him to remember me because their talk at the mine is so significant to her and his talks about that it'll that weight of his will never get lighter and she's seeing it in real time now she doesn't want to affect that i don't think she would i think if he did somehow remember that and she would just be like just blink me out rook you do your bff thing i'm just happy to see him he would be happy to be proven wrong though See, we gotta be careful because, like, one time I mess someone's mind, it turns up sk- spaghetti. So, like, I'm not gonna do that to Ozum. Just gonna. Oh, no, we don't. No. I don't wanna be that type of demigod. No, thank you. I think we spent one awesome night eating food and drinking meat and hanging out. I'm. Nobby's gonna resist the urge to hit him just for fun every time she sees him just so uh, you know I mean fuck around and find out right well no she doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want to fu- no she likes happy ozen boy and is happy that that happy ozen boy is, a, is an existing thing so yeah Brooke will see if ozen's wearing a best friend necklace he will have fashioned something into one of because he's so many piercings he'll have it somewhere on one of his ears yes it does it, but, have this very special and you don't know why but it's like a good luck charm or something it's one of those sunflower ones where you put it together and it's like a little like <laughs> it's not enough for him to embed it in his chest but it's on his ear 
Borderline, borderline. There's, there's now, but now, you know, there's no, you don't see any type of indentation on his chest or anything like that, because she's wearing the rings. Um, and like, he is happy, but there is definitely still an underlying sadness to him. And like, you'll catch him kind of staring off from time to time. And Lyra will have to bring him back either just by, you know, putting her hand on him somewhere, saying his name softly. And yeah, sometimes he comes back faster than others, but he still thinks back on what he's done. And the fear that he still has of his past catching up to him. So I take it they're all seated at a table and Lara's just serving food and they're basically enjoying each other's company? Just to confirm. If that's the case, Willie wants to just look at Rook and see what he is choosing. And just kind of put her hand on top of his and go, you're a good friend. Not very many people would give up what you're giving up for this. Thanks. And you're a good friend too. And then, uh, No, no, I'm not giving this up. <laughs> but it's true. Like, like, think about, oh, I, and then he like kind of catches himself as he doesn't want to go into full detail about our past merchant activities and, uh, Looks to, to Navi as yes, well. Yes, that time we were merchants, right? Yeah. If it what helps, else? the two of them are busy, like, getting stuff ready to, like, eat and drink, so they wouldn't pay much attention if you're having a conversation amongst yourselves. Willie doesn't even try. Still she goes, I'm so glad that it was us. I, I didn't think that it would end this way, but I'm glad that whether serendipity or of us all just really going through the resumes... It was us. Yeah, it's true. We actually uh, became friends. I remember that same, the first day when we all looked at each other, didn't know if we were friends or foes. And now we're here uh, with infinite, uh, sort of infinite power. And um, well, enjoy it while it lasts, buddy. I yeah, know, I right? Here's this up, like for real, like. <sighs> no, gotta do what I gotta do as he does like reach to his coat pocket and pull out uh, a like envelope with um, various coins and like uh, to to give over to uh, Ozum as he like departs essentially. That just has a letter that says like, I just want to say like, I know you don't, it kind of doesn't make sense right now, but I, I really appreciate you and everything you've done for me uh, out of all the people in my life. You uh, are one of the best friends I've ever had and like, uh, I will never ever forget you, and uh, I hope you have a a wonderful life. You absolutely deserve it. And uh, enclosed are a bunch of coins and uh, gold, and as well as uh, a few um, stocks in a local company, and Boy Love Incorporated. So, oh my God, <laughs> does he read this while you're there, or is it did, no? He like he tucks it, it away. Later. Yeah. Okay. And only in that point he'll mess with everyone's perception to like leave uh it there and then when they're out of there it'll appear like oh so we don't know about it because willie would have groaned <laughs> <laughs> like you gave him shares or a company yeah. 
all spend one beautiful night together sharing each other's company and what memories you can and Rook you ready yourself and reach out to your goddess and you feel yourself pulled beyond any reality you have ever known and you become a champion of Maliki and while you are not a demigod in the Forgotten Realms. You are, as the champion of a god, pretty functionally immortal and long-lived. But you also become god-touched. You allow yourself to be transformed into an Asimar. Uh, Yeah, I think so, yeah. So you remain an orc, but you also gain these amazing features. What does Rook's wings look like? I think they would be very uh, nature-esque, like made out of leaves and like uh, and branches and all that kind of stuff, and and flowers as well. Yeah. Do you have like a true flower crown? Is that your I think halo? so. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So... And like on his armors, like uh, maybe I had Willie. Like commission her to to chisel in like her homies' faces or whatever. And you are truly the chosen and the favored of Maliki, who relies on you for a very long time, and you help not only the mortals in the Forgotten Realms, but nature and animals as well. And you also get to spend some time with one of your favorite heroes because Dritzt is also a follower of Maliki and you are able to have a ha direct hand in their adventures and keeping them safe at times even if they don't know it. Oh, I go hang out with both of them. And <laughs> You're like, wait, you... I could have done that? He was like, yeah. While you oh, do... that's right, you can't travel there. Oh, yeah. Well, you can see Dritzt when Dritzt dreams and enters the dreaming worlds. Yeah. Rook gets to interact with Dritzt in the waking world. Okay. That's I'm just gonna it. show up in the distance and be like, yeah! My boys. And Iwith, despite being rather pouty about this, does keep their promise. And you do occasionally return to the dreaming worlds when you sleep. Though you do not dream as often as you might like between how busy Maliki keeps you and the pouting of a certain godling. But you right many wrongs, you protect the weak, you help heal nature, you find heroes, and you feel from somewhere as if beyond a dream, your mentor somehow sees your actions and smiles. Years pass, and you all continue your mostly separate lives. Though Nobby and Willie, you two do spend, I assume, a good bit of time together. You wind your way through the world, having grand adventures, or fighting for survival, causing a bit of chaos, living, doing whatever you want, or inspiring bards and collecting stories. For some of you, it's a few decades. For some of you, 
It's closer to centuries, as time moves very strangely between the dreaming worlds and the forgotten realms. But one night, you all find yourself standing on a gray, misty plain with three companions. Some of you who have embraced mortality or quasi-mortality have only hazy, dreamlike memories of these people. For two of you, your mind's still sharp and God-touched. It feels like only days have passed. But foggy though some of your memories may be, you recognize your companions, your party, your friends, with almost perfect clarity in this moment. You talk, you laugh, you share stories, compare scars, tattoos, wings, and the various wonders which you all have witnessed. And slowly, the mist closes around you and your little band, dispersing you all back to your separate lives as companionable laughter and warmth and friendship rings warm and welcoming through the dreaming worlds. And above you, just before you all wake, a different kind of mist swirls, pink and cunning, a feline face, now more panther than house cat, fills the sky, stretching across the almost endless horizon, leaving your nearly woken minds ringing with a different, more sinister kind of laughter than you're used to. You all wake in your separate adventures, filled with the knowledge that somewhere, unnoticed, forgotten, and glad of it, a new nightmare is building its power waiting, watching, and preparing. And that concludes our journey through the God Plane. <laughs> Thank you so much to all of you who have joined us on this adventure. Uh, this is a story that I have personally been trying to tell for close to a decade. Um, and so I'm so happy I got to share it with these four amazing people here. I told you it was going to happen. Um, we do have a tip link. If you uh, would like to thank these amazing people for their performance and their tears. Um, I have loved going on this with these characters, with these people. I have loved seeing the support in the chat. Um, let's do a quick round of shout outs. Tell us who you are and where we can find you. And hopefully we can play again together soon. Sophie. Hello, everybody. It's me, Sophie, aka at Subatomic Mints or Not So Gladiator if you've seen me in the chat. So sorry for the internet issues before. That was it fun. Um, I played for, you know, Kay wants Ozum wherever she can because we're all growing attached to him at this point. I got to play this wonderful slab of Senniate Beef Stew, Ozum Sticks. I. Uh, Kay, you are incredible. Thank you for allowing me to be part of this journey. It was wonderful and everything that I hoped it would be and more. I'm so proud of you for being able to tell this story and for including all of us in it. And I love you and thank you. And thank you to everyone who watched for being here with us every thank step of the, the way. Emily. Yeah, thank you, Emily. <laughs> ah, okay, y'all, I'm already crying, so you don't need to try any harder, D'Angelo. 
Yeah, my name is D'Angelo Murillo. Uh, you can find me on all social medias at that underscore D'Angelo. Uh, and this was amazing. Yeah, this was like a really, really fun experience. As a forever Dungeon Master, this was the first time I ever got to like do a campaign and complete it. And it was oh, wow. beautiful and wonderful. Yeah, and the cast was incredible like as well. I hope we, I, I really, really hope we get to play again uh, together because like it was too good. Uh, Cassandra. That is me as the newcomer to this entire experience, just to give you guys some behind the scenes information. Uh, Kay basically came up to me and said, hey, I'm doing a D&D thing and it's going to be streaming. Do you want to try it? And I'm basically the, you know, the new guy in this new world. And it was a complete blast. It was great to do something incredibly spooky to adventure with people that I've never met before, but now I feel so bonded to. And it was so great to see something that has been a long time coming that you've been building towards come to this fruition. That's been a lot of fun. And I mean, Willie is just a, a joy to play. She and is. I'm glad that you guys gave it a chance. You also, did... Cozy Spoon, you can find me everywhere on Social Spoon, Cozy Spoon. <laughs> you did so great. And thank you for trusting me for your first oh, yeah. like D&D experience. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jen, it's your turn. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. I can't. <laughs> I'm over here too. I'm with you. I'm with you. This eye is going. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I don't finish video games, so <laughs> um, because my ADHD does not allow me to end stories ever. Uh, so this is really hard for me. Well, I'm Jen. I played Nobby. Thank you so much for being here, Kate. Thanks so much. Every time you invite me to play for you, I get very excited because I love all the stories you create. There's going to be like a K effect across the world. Um, <laughs> but you can find me at Jen Gigi or uh, <laughs> I envy your endless stories. No, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not good. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the internet spaces and I'm going to go be emotional over here now. Bye. <laughs> and uh, I'm Kate Purcell. I've been your DM Dampy for this adventure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KDampfear. Uh, extra special thank you to David, my co-DM, who is mostly silent, though you saw his face a couple times on the stream because of internet problems, uh, who helped me in more ways than I can verb. Um, thank you again to my players. This was such a treat. You were all amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better cast, better chemistry. Uh, thank you to our mods, uh, Dane, David, Cato, Emily. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you to all of our tippers, all of our fans, everyone who joined in. Um, thank you for spending your time with us. There is nothing more valuable than your time. So you spend a lot of time with us on this adventure, and I want you to know I appreciate that so much. Um, I hope you enjoyed this module. Dave and I are going to be hard at work. Uh, Godplane is going to be a module we're going to put out, so you can run the Godplane yourself, either as a standalone campaign like this, or as a Domain of Dread, if you like to play in the Forgotten Realms. Um, that's going to be available on the Dams Guild soon, I hope. Um, uh, D'Angelo and I will both be at PAX Unplugged this weekend, so uh, if you are really, like, need some assurance, like, we're there. Um, we'd love to see you. Come say hello. Um, if you're not atten if you're attending, please say hi. Um, I will also be running a Christmas-themed heist one-shot December 13th on my Twitch channel, which is Damphy. That's Damphir without the R. Um, 
come by. We're going to be raising money for Extra Life. It is going to be a Christmas heist, though it's not going to be the heist that has scarred a couple people in this one. Uh, thank you all again for joining us. Um, viewers, watchers, chatters, you are all amazing. My players were so great. I am overwhelmed by what a cool story we got to tell together. Um, this this feeling right here, this is why I love D&D. &D. Um, so thank you for giving me that rush. Um, thank you all. Remember, be kind to yourselves and be excellent to others. And I hope we'll see you in the next adventure. And don't forget to watch the after show when it goes up. Watch the after show. And before we go, everyone yeah. in the cast, you need to look at the stream because we have a very special send away. I'm ready to cry. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cozy looks so good. <sighs> this is super good. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it I amazing? It. Can you please tweet that or like link oh, it into it, chat? We, so I I will, oh, yeah. It will, okay, sure. it will be everywhere. <laughs> and I couldn't right. think of a better way to end this than with this amazing art that Cassandra made for us. Oh, makes my heart warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you all again. I am full of all of the feels. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better crew. So thank you again. And before I keep gushing, I'm going to switch this over. And uh, we're going to do an after show. So check that out. That will be up soon. And... Uh, See you soon, y'all. Bye. Bye.